Shalom and welcome to the Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. Many people are surprised to learn that more people are afraid of success than they are of failure. Hence, many people face the challenge of self-sabotage. God has no grandchildren, and we are all individual children of God with personalities handcrafted by God to represent God's image and likeness to the universe. Therefore, in the distinct image and likeness of God that we are each crafted in, we represent leadership and must take our position upon rock pride and lead with certainty and purpose. And just as we are each crafted individually in our talents, so too we are unique and individual in the shadow and challenges of our talents. The reason behind our self-sabotage and of our fear of success and of our leadership role are unique. Some general categories of reason are shame, guilt, fear of loneliness, fear of succumbing to ego, and fear of losing our altruistic ideals. At the heart of all these reasons lay the paradox of success and of leadership. Leadership demands a strong self-respect, identity, certainty, and clear vision of greatness. However, if any of these mandatory leadership qualities fall prey to ego, and then the gift of leadership turns into the curse of tyranny. Thus, the very core of the necessary quality qualities of leadership seem to be Siamese twins with the very core of the death trap that awaits leadership gone wrong. In this lecture we will turn to a teaching of the Rebbe delivered in 1962 exploring the story of Korach and the 250 leaders of the Jewish people who rebelled against Moses, demanding more greatness and leadership to the point that they each fought to become the high priest in the Holy Temple. Korach was the cousin of Moses and is called a Pikach, wise man in the Torah. The 250 leaders are called chieftains of the congregation, representatives of the assembly, men of repute in the Torah. Here are men who by the word of God are worthy of leadership. What went wrong? The lesson extrapolated from this biblical story paves the bridge over which we can overcome our challenge of self-sabotage and travel on to our success and leadership for which God individually intended for each of us. Here is a list of introductions that we need to understand before we can learn how to overcome self-sabotage and to embrace our personal leadership roles. 1. The mystical definition of e pluribus unum and its insight to mystical paradoxes. 2. The origin of Shabbat and Yom Tov holidays. 3. The origin of leaders. 4. The role of Moses for the leader within each of us. The definition of the Latin phrase e pluribus unum means out of many one. The reason for this phrase is precisely because from the perspective of the universe we experience most naturally the many and the more we study and the more science advantage advances, we are learning that at the core of the many, in essence, lay but one. Presently, I'm not just referring to the one with the capital O, meaning God. Rather, as we break down matter, molecules, atoms, and enter into the realm of energy, we are understanding more and more of the oneness of which the many is made of. In the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidis, 
the phrase is more of ex uno plurus, in which the primary study is based upon the evolution from the oneness of God and His infinite light to the many of the universe. However, regardless of the direction of the phrase and its journey, whether it be from the many to the one or from the one to the many, the results will provide us with a realm in which there exists no paradox, for in one there is no paradox. Therefore, once the many is traced back to the one, or once the many sheds its layers to, the, to its core one, then that which originally seemed as a paradox can now coexist in peace and oneness. Let us now understand ex uno plurus. While there are many lectures that can be given to fully understand the process of ex uno plurus, what the one from one to many, exploring the mystical concept of the tzimtzum, etc., for this lecture, however, I will focus on one teaching of the Zohar. Upon the words of Genesis, Bereshit, in the beginning, the Zohar divides the word to read Barashis, which means created six, and explains that this refers to the six supernal days. The six supernal days refer to the six male emotion emanations of the supernal Atzilut. These six supernal days refer to the verse, sta verse stating that God created the heavens, plural, six, after which the Zohar goes on to explain the seventh supernal day to be the end of the verse and earth. God created the heavens and earth. The seventh supernal day refers to the seventh emotion emanation, which is the feminine emanation of kingship. The secret of this Bereshis created six is the secret to ex uno plurus. To understand this secret, just picture in your mind a beautiful colored stained glass window made up of six different colors. Now picture sunlight shining through the stained glass window. What you are seeing is how the colorless sunlight, as it passes through the different pieces of the stained glass window, is now turning into different colored rays of light. The sunlight that shines through the green piece of glass now becomes a green shade of light and is throwing its green coloring on all that it shines upon. This is the secret of God's seven different names. Each name is a different color through which God's infinite light shines, adopts, and acts through. Thus the name of kindness is the name we will always find in the Torah when the verse speaks of reward, while the name of strength is the name you will always find in the Torah when the verse is speaking of retribution. Additionally, this is the secret of the supernal emanations. An emanation is made up of its light and its vessel. While there are different opinions of the details, for simplicity's sake, the light of all the emanations are one and the same, the colorless light of the infinite light. The different vessels of the different emanations are each a different color and produces for the universe a different experience of the infinite light and with it a different relationship with God. The six days of creation are the six supernal days. The first day of creation is the emanation of kindness, which expresses itself through revelation, and therefore it was the day in which God created light. The second day of creation is the emanation of strength, which expresses itself through separation and definition, and therefore it was the day that God separated the waters and defined the boundaries of land. The sixth day of creation is the sixth emanation, which is foundation, and therefore on this day God created the foundation of the purpose of the universe, mankind. The same applies with the seventh day of the creation, which is the seventh emanation, which is kingship, in which all mundane work is forbidden, 
and the experience of royalty in spiritual service and wine and festivity in physical service is mandatory. This is the secret of Ex Uno Plures, in which the one of the infinite light is manifested in the many, including within their paradoxes such as kindness and strictness, as masculinity and femininity. For example, in this process of creation, the lower you go into its evolution, the more you experience the many and its paradoxes, while the higher you ascend within it, the more you experience oneness and coexistence. Based upon this concept of the Zohar concerning the six supernal days, we can now understand the origin of Shabbat and holidays. Our sages teach us the Torah preceded the world by 2,000 years. The great Rabbi Zegluria explains the 2,000 years not to refer to time as we know it, because there was no such thing as time then, but to supernal emanations. The Hebrew word for thousand is Eleph, which can also be used in the form of teach, as the verse states, and I will teach you wisdom. The Talmud as well, in its explanation of the Hebrew letters, defines the letters Aleph and Bet as Aleph Bet means learn understanding. Based on these teachings, Rabbi Isaac Luria explains that the 2,000 years to be the two intellect emanations of wisdom and understanding, which precede the emotion emanations. These intellect emanations are the parents and the teachers to the emotion emanations, which are called the offspring to these intellects. The secret of reproduction is that a union between the two parents create the offspring. Spiritually speaking, the sustenance of the offspring continues to depend upon the union of the parents. Within the spiritual union of the parents, there exist two forms. One form is when the union of the parents is on the level of the offspring, in which the sustenance created by the union is that of the nature of the offspring. This union is called external union and is all about expressing sustenance for the offspring. However, there is another form of union in which the parents have a union within their own essence level and what is produced from that union is far greater than the sustenance of the offspring. This union is called internal union. For them, furthermore, within the internal union, there is the union in which the dominant one is the father wisdom, and there is the union in which the dominant one is the mother understanding. The effect of which is the dominant one is whether the sustenance produced and transmitted is mochen the Abba, intellect of wisdom, or whether it be mochen the Ima, intellect of, mo of mother. Now, before I explain the difference between these two forms of sustenance, I want to make practical the two different forms of unions, that of external union and that of internal union. Take, for example, a teacher who is studying Torah. A teacher has two completely different forms of studies. There is one in which the teacher is preparing his class, and there is a study in which the teacher is simply studying Torah for himself, just as every Jew does. The difference between these two studies create total different products. The first format is entirely focused and producing solely for the needs of the student, and the product of study is in the capacity of the student. The latter study is a total different experience in which the teacher is focused on his own capacity and in producing wisdom and understanding that is far superior to the capacities of a student. This is the difference between the external union, which is the teacher focused on preparing his sustenance for the student, and the internal union, which is the teacher focus on his own capacity and growth. We now return to the difference between the two sustenance possibilities of the internal union, that of Mochen the Abba, in which Father Wisdom is dominant, 
and that of Mochen the Ima, which is a product of a union in which the mother understanding is dominant. In Psalms, the verse states, As a happy mother of children, from which Kabbalah and Hasidus extrapolate that the products of Mochen the Ima, intellect of understanding, mother, is the experience of Simcha, happiness, joy. Concerning wisdom, the verse states, a man's wisdom makes his, shine, his face shine. And our sages teach us concerning Rabbi Avahu, whose face was shining because he found a new teaching. Found a new teaching speaks of the experience of wisdom before it is dissected by understanding. And a shining face is mystically interpreted to mean delight. Thus the product of Mochen, the Abba, intellect of wisdom, father, is the experience of Tanug, pleasure, delight. So there you go. The product of sustenance from Mochen the Abba is delight, and the product of Mochen the Ima is Simcha, joy. Now let us see what the origin of Shabbat and the origin of holidays are. The regular working weekdays is the six supernal days receiving their regular sustenance from the external union of the supernal intellects. Concerning holidays, the verse states, and you shall rejoice in your festival, and you will be only happy. The holiday is a special day because unlike the mundane working days, the holiday is receiving its sustenance from the internal union in which mother understanding is the dominant parent. And the sustenance is therefore of Mochen the Ima, intellect of mother, which manifests itself in the experience of Simcha, joy and happiness. Shabbat in the verse is called you shall call the Shabbat a delight, then you shall delight with God. Shabbat is receiving its sustenance from the internal union in which Father Wisdom is the dominant parent, and the sustenance is therefore of Mochen the Abba, intellect of Father, which manifests itself in the experience of Tainug, delight. The exploration of the origin of Shabbat and Yantiv gives us insight into the origin of leaders. Shabbat and Yantiv, which is holidays, are in the realm of time as leaders to the mundane working days. The mission of a leader is to bring his followers out of the box and into the unprecedented greatness. A true leader is not focused on only providing his followers with their in-the-box needs for survival. Rather, a true leader creates leaders by transforming his followers into leaders. This is accomplished by bringing his followers out of the box sustenance. So it is with Shabbat and holidays which is meant to take us out of our in-the-box rat race paradigm of survival and bring us into an out-of-the-box paradigm of living life. And so it is with people who are leaders and their service to their people. The verse refers to leaders as the eyes of the congregation. The meaning behind this title is that the purpose of leaders is to bring their people to unprecedented vision as that of a teacher to his student. A teacher is not one who brings a student semantic data, but one who lifts up the paradigm of the student from being of the reactive emotion paradigm to becoming of the proactive intellect paradigm. This is why the verse's description of the first Jewish king, King Saul, is, and I quote you the verse in Samuel's, from his shoulders and upwards he was taller than any of the people, end quote. In Kabbalah and Hasidis, shoulders represent the intellect of the emotion, which is the lower intellects, which is the product of the external union of the intellects. The head represents the intellects as they stand upward from the emotions. 
The definition of a leader is that even his shoulders, lower intellect, exist in a realm that is beyond the head, higher intellects of the rest of his people. And from that paradigm, the king provides unprecedented vision, liberating his people from their lower intellects and bringing them to higher intellects. Thus, the origin of leaders is that their souls live in the realm of the 2,000 years, intellect of wisdom and understanding, which exists before Bereshit, Barashis created six, and the six supernal days, emotions. We will now begin the lecture and there explain the final introduction of what Moses does for our personal inner leader. This week's parsha, the Torah portion, begins with the story of Korach and his rebellion against Moses. The rebellion is summed up in the verse, and I'll quote to you the verse of this week's parsha. They assembled against Moshe and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for the entire congregation are all holy, and God is in their midst. So why do you raise yourself amongst, above God's assembly? End quote. Korach was Moses' cousin also from the tribe of Levi, and therefore was already of distinction and leadership chosen for service in the Holy Temple. What caused Korach to wage a rebellion against Moses, looking to obtain for himself an even greater leadership role? The simple explanation is given to us by Rashi on the opening of our Parsha. I will read to you the Rashi. Now, that Korach, now, now what made Korach decide to quarrel with Moses? He envied the chieftainess of Elisaphan, the son of Uziel, whom Moses appointed as chieftain over the sons of Kahat by the divine word. Korach claimed, My father and his brothers were four in number. As it says, the sons of Korach were and it lists the four. Amram was the first, and his two sons received greatness, one a king, Moses, and one a Kohen Gadol, high priest, Aaron. Who was entitled to receive the second position? Is it not I, who am the son of Izar? who is the second brother to Amram, and yet he, Moses, appointed to the chieftainship the son of his youngest brother, I hereby oppose him and will invalidate his words. End quote. So that's how Rashi explains it. Hasidus gives us a deeper look into Korach's reasoning for his rebellion. What went wrong with Korach's sense of leadership was that he was experiencing the power of higher understanding, joy, without the power of higher wisdom, delight. The experience of Simcha joy is that it is very boisterous. This is actually the power of joy, as our sages tell us that joy breaks through all boundaries. In joy, people experience an over-the-top paradigm and are empowered to accomplish things and to behave in a manner unprecedented to them. However, the dark side of joy is that it can experience an egotistic sense of invincibility with no sense of accountability and responsibility. Tainuk, delight, on the other hand, is experienced in quietude. For example, when a parent notices that their children have been playing together, getting along with each other, they quietly smile to themselves, feeling a beautiful experience of delight and pleasure flow through them. The power of delight is that one experiences the simplicity of their essence as it exists in its abode, which in turn is omnipotent. What we have with Tainug is the highest form of essence power of the internal union without ego and the experience of being boisterous. This difference of Simcha joy and Tainug delight is in essence the difference between the experience of wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is the intellectual experience of an idea falling into our minds. We are very conscious that this idea is suddenly dropped into our minds from some greater intellect. 
We are not yet in full understanding of the idea and we need to work it out, dissecting all its details. Thus the experience of wisdom is more of the humble experience of accepting something that we are receiving from above. Understanding is the intellectual experience of rolling up our sleeves, so to speak, and sitting down to completely dissect the idea, detail by detail, until we have full ownership over it, and are able to manipulate, uh, manipulate it, applying it beyond its original application, through extrapolation. In the stage of wisdom, one cannot extrapolate yet. One can only repeat it exactly as he received it, for he has no ownership over the idea. Therefore, while wisdom is the experience of humility, understanding bathes in ego. Now we see how their respective flow manifestations of Tainuk delight and of Simcha joy reflect them. Additionally, in the ineffable Tetragrammaton, the four letters represent the ten emanations, with the first two letters being wisdom and understanding. The first letter of the holy name is Yud, which is the smallest letter of the Hebrew letter, letters, representing a simple dot and is the emanation of wisdom. The second letter of the holy name is Hey, which is full, wide, and tall letter of three lines, and is the emanation of understanding. Here too, once again, the dot of the Yud represents the nucleus of an idea and represents the humility of wisdom, while the expansion of the Hey represents the full grasp of the idea in its three dimensions of length, length breadth, and width, and depth, I'm sorry, the three dimensions of length, breadth, and depth, and represents its ego of presence. What allows for the productivity of leadership is the Kabbalistic statement of a dot in its chamber. Let's say that again. A dot, yud, wisdom, in its chamber, hey, understanding. The dot of wisdom in itself cannot be productive before it is dissected, owned, and applied, while the expansion of understanding is destructive and abusive when it is not committed and subordinate to humility. Thus, the only existence of a healthy, productive, and divine form of leadership is when Moichen the Abba, Tainuk delight, wisdom, humility, coexist with Moichen the Ima, Simcha, joy, understanding, presence, and as that of a dot in its chamber. In my open, let us now return to Korach and his rebellion. In my opening, I mentioned that the verse refers to the people of the rebellion as chieftains of the congregation representatives of the assembly, men of repute. The Hebrew words for representatives of the assembly in the verse are kriye moed. These words carry within them the mystical dimensions of leadership, as the word kriye represents the mochen, the Abba sustenance of Shabbat, and the word moed also means yontav, holiday, which is the mochen, the ima sustenance of holidays. The downfall of the people of the rebellion is that they were missing the point the dot of Yud. The verse spelling of the word Kriye is Kuf Resh Aleph Yud. And the phonetic sound of E is because the oral tradition of having the E vowel under the letter Resh. However, in its full spelling, the word should have had another Yud, spelling it as Kuf Resh Yud Aleph Yud. Thus, what these leaders were missing was the full humility of wisdom which would allow them for them to have their delight and their joy coexist in loyalty of service to their people. Thus the point is they were missing the point. They were missing the point, the dot of the Yud, the full humility of wisdom. The people of the rebellion were actually caught in a downward spiral, which led to the earth opening up and swallowing them alive. 
It is not of human power to be able to simultaneously experience and maintain the boisterous expansion of Simcha joy in its full joy breaks through all boundaries, together with the quietude humility of Tainuk delight in its full quote-unquote, and we are but what? It is Moses who said to his people those words, and we are but what, at the same moment that he was demonstrating his full power of leadership and influence. The reason is because it is of Moses alone that God said, I quote to you the verse, Not so is my servant Moses. He is faithful throughout my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth in a vision and not in riddles, and he beholds the image of the Lord. The Torah testifies about Moses, and I quote this verse to you, Now this man Moses was exceedingly humble, more so than any person on the face of the earth. It is precisely this humility of Moses that allowed him to experience the source in which ex uno plutus, and to then manifest it into the el pluribus unum, with the unum dot of wisdom being in the pluribus chambers of understanding. This is why the moment that the rebellion began to shift and disconnect from Moses, they lost the yud dot of wisdom and their leadership expansion of understanding betrayed them. In closing, each and every one of us have within ourselves a leader. Once at a leadership workshop, I questioned the facilitator about this and his response was, and I quote you his response to me, if you have something to say that you believe others would benefit from hearing, then you are meant to be a leader. Being that we are each unique in the way we were made in the image and likeness of God, we each have that uniqueness to share with the world, deeming us each as leaders. However, we are afraid, and rightfully so, of the paradox of leadership and what it can do to us. Thus, we first push forward and then self-sabotage over and over again. The bridge out of self-sabotage is to connect with Moses and through Moses to our higher power. Only through connecting with the absolute humility of Moses, we are liberated from the paradox and able to truly live in the grace of the one from who the one of the many comes from. This is when our personal leadership powers exist within the safety of a pluribus unum. Practically speaking, how do we connect to the Moses of our generation, the guiding leadership and humility of the Rebbe. To answer this, I will end with a teaching of the Rebbe's calendar called Hayom Yom, in which the Rebbe quotes his predecessor and father-in-law, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak of Lubavitch. Here's the quote. You ask how you can be bound to me when I do not know you personally. The true bound is created by studying Torah. When you study my discourses, read the talks, and associate with those dear to me, the Hasidic community and the students, in their studies and Hasidic gatherings, and you fulfill my request regarding saying psalms and observing Torah studies, in this is the bond. And through this bond, we are liberated of the paradox of leadership, of the self-sabotage, and we are freed to fully experience the inner leadership within each and every one of us. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here at the platform of the Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.